Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the DraftSite.com podcast. We're somewhere in the 40s. Is this 43, 44, Jared? Somewhere in there? Mid 40s, yeah, I believe. Like that. I've, I, I, I've actually lost track, but I think it's about 43 maybe yeah getting better and better and as we're getting in better and better it means we're bringing on better talent as well and we've got Skyler with us today making his debut on the draftsite.com podcast he comes to us from Virginia we're not uh, you know the other side of that Mason Dixon line but that's good we're getting mm-hmm. all portions of the country covered introduce yourself Skyler hello and welcome Hey, how's it going? Yeah, uh, I'm Skyler uh, in Richmond, Virginia, uh, graduate of James Madison University, go Dukes, and uh, uh, enthusiast of the NFL and all football. So can't wait. Badly, pretty uh, decent outside talking about uh, late round prospects or quarterbacks from uh, outside of Division 1A that could go a little bit later. You know, he did have some injury problems at, at 6'1", kind of 225, 230 range. Maybe yeah, kind of more of a Lord. running back. But, hey, you never know. Uh, he, some good stuff there. Definite fan of Vad Lee. Oh, yeah. I, I, we were a huge fan of him. I was even at the uh, U of R game uh, that was on ESPN, uh, college game day. Great atmosphere. The only two games we lost this year, we still scored over 40 points. So nothing was ever wrong with our offense. Badly made sure of that. But yeah, he's a great guy here as far as character goes. And uh, hopefully he can come back for injury and maybe try out for some teams. Absolutely. And, again, we do have Jared with us. It's been a while since Jared's been on one of the podcasts. But, you know, he is our fearless leader. And Jared knows everything there is to know about the draft. He'll, he'll sit here and say, no, no, not me. But. Don't let his his modesty fool you, everyone. He is the man, Jared. So uh, I'm, I'm, back I'm the well. uh, I'm, I'm a WNBA guy, man. I don't I don't follow the <laughs> <draft> anymore. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of draft, it is a very special day because as of tomorrow, we are down to double digits. It'll be 99 days today. Marks the century day. 100 days until the NFL draft begins. So we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Uh, We'll kind of lead off there first before we touch into some NFL playoff news also with uh, the deadline just passing uh, on the 18th. We're kind of in the rescission period right now. Um, Prospects have 72 hours to actually um, kind of go back if they've declared themselves eligible. They have 72 hours if they have not signed with an agent or accepted any benefits which the NCAA would deem improper and not prohibit them from returning to the college level. They can do so. So as of uh, end of the business day Thursday or about 48 hours from now, that window will close. And by Friday, the NFL is not always timely about this, but Friday we should have a list, the official list from the NFL. And right now I did say that we were kind of on a record pace as far as early entrance. 104 prospects entered last year. This year, right now, 105. It looks like we bested that by one, but again, we'll see what the official number kind of ends up with. So there you go, 105 picks. So you've almost got four rounds. You've got three and a half rounds of yeah. underclassmen. So 
you know, there's a lot of talented people out there, but uh, as you can say, uh, Skylar, I, I think you're pretty good with math. Not everyone's gonna, <laughs> not everyone's gonna get drafted because uh, there's some good seniors out there. Oh too. yeah, a lot of people. Hey, I I'd take the time where undrafted free agents are signed just as exciting as the actual draft because I always want to see those hidden gems, those Victor Cruises, you know. So it, it, that's also exciting to me. There's always that that gem in there somewhere. Oh, and there's plenty of them because we we've got about uh, about uh, how some favorite players or how can this person be so far down your draft board? Well, when you've got 105 declared underclassmen, not everyone's a first round prospect or going to be drafted in the mm-hmm. first round. So real quickly, we'll, we'll kind of touch upon maybe some, some players that might've been a surprise that they came out or maybe a surprise that they didn't. Uh, I'll start it out with one that I was a couple that I was very surprised with uh, coming from Alabama. And again, congratulations, roll tide. And, um, I do want to point out that DraftSide.com was 100% in uh, going three for three in our, in our picks in the college football playoff. And I believe actually we went uh, 27 and 16 in bowl season, which was very respectable. You put us against some of the other big boys per se. We, we did pretty well. DJ, you don't have to say we. We know it was you. It was all <laughs> DJ. We did well, but okay. Okay. But, um, uh, a couple of Alabama players I was very surprised with. Uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, I think, really projected as a late first round, more like an early second to middle of round two. I thought maybe the Arizona Cardinals, where, wherever they end up picking, going to be somewhere in the 28 to 32 range, was kind of a good fit. They value kind of those larger defensive ends, a.k.a. Kalias Campbell. Oh, yeah. I thought that would have been a good fit, or especially O.J. Howard. Now, we've had him as the number two tight end actually going in, Um, and actually um, number three since uh, Jake Butt of uh, Michigan is actually going back to school. Hunter Henry of Arkansas was the only tight end who has declared that we had ahead of O.J. Howard. Even though he's not nearly as involved in the offense, we saw what he could do. Five catches, I believe it was, what, 206 yards, and just tore up. Uh, the secondary there in Clemson, and once he gets past that first wave of linebackers, that's a guy that can move like like a wide receiver in the open field. And we saw him do a lot of damage, and I thought, wow, with the performance that he had, I really thought that uh, he was going to uh, make himself eligible, especially in a, quote, you know, down year for, for tight ends where we're probably not going to see a tight end drafted in the first round. It's, it's possible we go two rounds. I, I think that – we might see one or two going around too, but it's it's not definite. So that that kind of surprised me. Were there any surprising prospects for you either that declared or did not declare that kind of took you aback? I mean, Allen was one of them just because he played fairly well in the uh, in the national championship. Um, he his name you could see his jersey multiple times, uh, kind of making a little pressure, creating a little havoc uh, on that Clemson offense, but. Um, I have family ties. I think one player that I was a little surprised that came out that I'm glad that did. Um, I have family ties towards Tennessee um, and uh, their wide receiver in North. Uh, I don't think he's projected to go that. Uh, I don't think he's projected to go that high, um, but I love his kind of athletic ability as far as he's like he's what six three, two hundred twenty, two hundred thirty pounds and. Apparently he runs like a four or five. Uh, I, I think I would love to see that in training camp. I'd love to see him improve, um, kind of see where his potential lies. 
Uh, that's someone I've kept an eye on for a little while. Uh, the Auburn running back, he came out. Um, another late-round little prospect that I like Auburn running backs because, one, they have a lot of – they ran the ball a lot, but it's kind of like brushing the dirt off. Um, like Trey Mason, he, he started out kind of not not too well with uh, St. Louis, not this past season, but before because they don't do much as far as pass protections or running routes. Um, but after they start learning that, you, you see their ability. Um, so – that's kind of what I'm hoping for, um, but I, I'm trying to look at it later this week and next uh, see more prospects possibly coming out and maybe see that final NFL list that they release. Absolutely, and, and, and the fact that we're, one, talking about Marquez North, um, guy that does have all the intangibles when it comes to the uh, measurables with, with, with sheer mm-hmm. size, did get into some trouble with the university. I think some of the off-the-field concerns, him and uh, Pig Howard, the other wide receiver there at Tennessee, and it's really a shame because Tennessee really could be the uh, – that, that could be the team if there's anyone that kind of is unseating Alabama for next year who's got that uh, just positive outlook and, and players that are coming back and just a great class. Tennessee could be that team next year. That's, that's a team with top mm-hmm. ten potential. Um, and, yeah. and actually with, with Auburn – they're just so loaded. I mean, you're talking about a third-string running back here that ends up going uh, over the 1,000-yard uh, mark, and it's actually a redshirt sophomore, so there's, there's two years of eligibility there. I, I think we're, we're looking at about a fifth- or sixth-round pick. It, it, it's drafted at all because there's some very good running backs here, um, a lot that I kind of like going near the top that have kind of declared uh, Alex Collins from Arkansas, uh, Kenneth Dixon from Louisiana Tech, T.J. Procise, who actually – did have another year of eligibility due to a previous injury at Notre Dame. So there's there's a lot of good running backs in, in the middle. D.J. Foster, out of Arizona State, who has starting experience at running back and wide receiver, very good player uh, that I think is going to play or pay big dividends for the team that takes him, receiver or running back. Also, you know, we are we are now also getting into the, the start of the college bowl, or not the college bowl game season, but the all-star games with the East-West Shrine game, uh, Senior Bowl. So this mm-hmm. this is when things are really going to, I think, really kick it up a notch. You're going to see how these players perform against one another, players from smaller schools. They get around some of the, the coaches and some different systems and see how they kind of stack up against, quote, big-name talent. One thing you, you really got to know, and I, I know Jared will attest to this, and I, I've said it pretty much all season, the best quarterback in this whole draft I've said since – Pretty much the start of the season, I, I think that it is a non-SBS quarterback, Carson Wentz, in leading North Dakota uh, to the their fifth consecutive FCS championship. Uh, I, I think he's the best quarterback that's available, and, and now he is a late addition to the Senior Bowl. He's one of the six quarterbacks there, and I think he's, he's really going to get his chance to shine, and it looks like that broken wrist that he did suffer around the, the middle part of the season, he was able to come back for the playoffs and, and lead his team to a title. I think we're really going to see his stock rise, and I think he's a, a guy that we're going to see go in the first round, probably somewhere in the middle stages. I believe in our latest mock we have him going 22nd overall to Houston and the, the quarterback gurus there with uh, uh, with Bill O'Brien. Uh, a team like Houston or a team like the Los Angeles Rams, caught myself, didn't call him St. Louis, <laughs> could, yeah. uh, could be going there as well. Uh, we got to hear a little bit from you here, Jared. Uh Anyone that that you're really liking now, either going up the board or down the board, that's kind of sticking out for you as well. 
Well, just going backwards for a second, I mean, I have to applaud the two guys who went back to school who I really didn't think uh, would. One is O.J. Howard and Desmond King. Uh, Desmond King is one of my favorite cornerbacks. I, I happen to love the cornerbacks that perform well. They might not have the necessary measurables or the athleticism, but a guy from Iowa like Desmond King, I think when he comes out um, after winning the Thorpe Award this year, he's going to be awesome. He, he might not – I don't know where he's going to be drafted. DJ, you can kind of tell me that. But I, I think he's going to be an exceptional player in the NFL. I don't like his decision because it would have been a good year to go out, but I think you gotta you got to give someone a lot of credit to really risk their career and to say, you know what, it's more important for me to graduate and play with the guys that I, you know, started with as a freshman and play with that middle senior. Now, O.J. Howard, you, you can't top the game he had in that national championship. And if there's mm. anyone who should have left on that Alabama team, it was him because there was not a single, in my opinion, there's not a single other tight end that really touches him. I mean, he would have clearly been the first tight end off the board. And it's, in, again, just kind of like last year, uh, it's a very weak tight end class. So I would have liked to see him go. Um, you know, maybe he's not a prototypical tight end. He might be more of a hybrid wide receiver, but this would have been a year to go. Um, as far as guys going up and down the board, I uh, Spencer Drango might be one of those players who I think is kind of falling down a little bit because of, um, you know, some of the tackles above him, some of the guys who are declaring, like Ronnie Stanley and Larry Tungle. Um, I think he's going to get overlooked, but I think he's, he's kind of proven throughout his career that he could be very effective. Colin Acid out of Penn State, I think he's got a lot of ability, and I think put him in the right system, um, maybe in a 3-4 system where he doesn't have to rush the passer as much. He could be, he could be pretty strong holding up the front. And then right behind him, I mean, just looking at the draft, Scooby Wright, you know, he was my – I love the guys who produce in college. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of the drafts where the guys – where the teams will take the guys who produce in college despite what they might have done at the combine or what their measurables are saying because it's proven that every year the players that do well out of either in their rookie seasons or throughout their career – had successful college careers. And the ones that did not, who are combine heroes, usually do not do that well. So that's why I like guys like Scooby Wright. You know, he might have had a a down year, but, you know, he's been pretty pretty incredible for that Arizona team. And I think he could be a linebacker that could make an impact right away if he goes to the right team. And Nassib's a a very good uh, comparison there. And you're talking about a former walk-on. Uh, Penn State. I like him, but I really like the defensive tackle there, Austin Johnson. I think he's a guy that's a lost in the shuffle, very reminiscent of a Jared Odrick who kind of did very well, but uh, as a senior, he was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. We've seen him as a defensive tackle, uh, find success as a defensive end, playing in three, four systems with Miami and now with Jacksonville. And I will say, shout out, he is from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, my hometown. There we go, so good thing for Jared, was uh, actually the number four rated offensive tackle prospect in the country when he went to Penn State. They switched him from uh, offensive line to defensive line in his, in his uh, freshman season. So, and, and, you know, I absolutely love Desmond King. I thought he would have been the third player off the board 
I mean, even though we hear so much about Jalen Ramsey, I think his sheer size and Vernon Hargraves is just a highlight reel kind of waiting to happen. But but King was the guy that had the best year, and I think he was deserved of of the of the Thorpe Award, and uh, should have a, a very solid season. And, and I think it's looking to parlay that into being not just a good kind of mid to late round first rounder that I think he would have been this year, but kind of parlaying that into. Uh, a top 10 potential pick for next year, which on the flip side of that, I was a little bit surprised with Kendall Fuller, who I thought was the top corner in this draft going into the season. And for the second straight year, he had injuries kind of derail his campaign. Mm -hmm. So I thought really he would kind of come back and kind of cement his status as the top corner in next year's draft class. Now he has declared, uh, I think he'll be a solid second round pick for someone, but I think the injury concerns are there, but obviously the bloodline, the Fullers, uh, he's the fourth Fuller. Uh, to actually be playing at Virginia Tech, and uh, yep. you know they're three three for three thus far in playing in the NFL. So um, if uh, you're in Vegas, it's a good odds that he'll he'll produce at the NFL level. So uh, and and one other person I just want to mention: you talk about linebackers that produce a guy that's not going to jump out at you at the combine, but a person that I thought could have. You know, some people kind of question it when I said last year this guy could have declared. He came back for a senior year, and he's a guy that. I think we're going to see go in the second round. Uh, Tyler Medikavich, the linebacker from Temple. You're talking about a just a playmaking machine. When you look at him, he doesn't have those intangibles, and he's going to run the you know the the real fast forty or just have that uh, three cone drill time that that's going to set the world on fire. Or have the prospects drooling, but just look at his sheer production. The guy just does not miss open field tackles, and some that's one thing that gets lost, and it sounds so. Odd talking about linebackers and the, the art of tackling, especially with how careful you have to be and how precise at the NFL level in avoiding helmet-to-helmet contact and, and how tackling has changed. Medikavich is just puts on a clinic and is probably the best open field tackler um, at the NCAA level over the past two years. And, and, and I think he's another player, again, like Scooby Wright, who just performs. He has the statistics, and, and you know that he'll be successful at the NFL level. So yeah, against uh, against teams like that love to dink and dunk, like New England, the open field tackles are extremely important. Like there are routes that they that depend on missing tackles. So if if you can get someone that can do that efficiently, it, it, it changes the whole out, outcome of the game. And New England should know that firsthand. Jamie Collins, they got him as a third round steal a couple of yep. years ago out of Southern Mississippi, and he's been wonderful when when he hasn't been injured. Unfortunately, he's had a couple of his seasons cut short due to injury, but when he is healthy, Jamie Collins is among one of the best in his craft uh, in the AFC. And I think that's a pretty good segue over to the playoffs. Let, let's talk a little bit NFL. We we had the first round. We're not a home team wins. Uh, four four teams go on the road and win, and we get the exact opposite this yep. week, where we're, we're going to have one two matchups across the board um, with uh, Denver and New England, as well as Carolina and Arizona. So things to look for in these matchups. I'll throw it to you guys here real quick. Which game? Well, I guess we'll start in the AFC and then go to the NFC. Maybe important matchups, or what do you think the keys to victory might be in these games, and, and who do we like as far as coming out victorious in the AFC and NFC championship games? Uh, as far as AFC goes, uh, the big thing I'm looking for is – from their former matchup is how successful Denver's run game can be. 
Um, now, now that we don't know the status of Jamie Collins um, and also uh, the defensive end Jones, Chandler Jones, we don't know their statuses. I think they're hurt, and also Gerard Mayo might be out. Um, mm-hmm. And so that could be a significant impact as far as that run game because we saw Denver run that, uh, won that game um, because of that run. Uh, all the running backs really got going, uh, you know, especially fantasy-wise. That was their first big game. Um, so it, it was, that was a huge impact. So that, that matchup I'm looking forward to. If they want to just stop the run and make Peyton Manning throw that ball in that cold weather um, to see if that can win the game. And also you got stars from New England coming back. Uh, that's another uh, impact as far as Julian Edelman. Um, you know, we'll see how that offense matches up. Um, and that's what, kind of what I'm looking forward to, Cam, because Brady has always struggled in Denver, um, and he, he's always had a tough time really uh, get, getting that offense going. And so I'm, I'm kind of seeing if he can really hold up his, his end uh, once that defense, because I don't think that defense is going to be a whole, uh, being able to uh, stop Peyton Manning for long. Uh, I've noticed in the past, I think it's the last five weeks of the regular season, that Denver air in the fourth quarter, it it, it kind of takes any defense a step down. And Denver, Point. besides besides against the Oakland Raiders, uh, Denver likes to score some points in the fourth quarter uh, because of that. So, um, so that, for the AFC, that's what I'm looking forward to. How's the AFC shaping up for you, Jared? What, what, what do you like? Who do you like, uh, Denver with New England? Who, who do you look to come out on top and why? Peyton Manning might be a liability at this point because he just needs to go. And I, I'm afraid he's going to try to force it. I'm afraid that coach is going to try to have them throw the ball when they should just be running all game long. Um, New England, as Skyler said, they have a lot of injuries on defense and they might be missing a lot of guys but they just have been so good and no matter what you do to New England I mean you you can never count them out so in my mind I'm going to go with New England Um, I don't think I don't think Denver is ready to rally around Peyton Manning the way they would if he had said you know what this is my last season this is my last throw I mean that's the best thing he could do before this game and say hey guys I'm going to retire at the end of the season. And then the team would rally around him. Right now, I think they're just kind of, you know, rallying around him only because they have to and kind of wish he can be a little bit better. So I'm going to go with New England because I just think they um, they know how to play play through all this stuff. They've been there before. They've had injuries. Next man up is, is definitely their motto. And don't forget, this is, um, this is Gary Kubiak's first year with Denver. And it's not very often oh. for Steve Kerr. It's not very often that you know a team goes that far with his first year as head coach. So I'm going to go. With what a right great, now. what a great segue! Because I was just about to say, for my take, it's really looking for a mismatch. You're talking about two teams that know each other well. I think there's there's some areas where Denver is stronger. There's some areas where New England is stronger. But it, it, it's kind of a wash. It, it is a hard one to call. So for me, it's really looking for what is the biggest mismatch that I can find looking at this on paper, and you just touched upon it. It's Gary Kubiak versus Bill Belichick. To me, that is the biggest mismatch there is, and I think this could come down to coaching strategy and, and philosophy, and I think because of the experience there and this being you know, the first year in Denver, and you know, Gary Kubiak had some successful years in, in Houston, 
uh, with the Texans, but obviously nothing uh, like he's going to experience this weekend. And I think because of that, that I think is the X factor, and I think why New England comes out on top. I think if Denver is successful, I, I like the fact that um, it was brought up by Skyler that you know they are they're really hurting on defense, and not only just running the football, but I think kind of that short dink and dunk, the, those screen passes, especially with with Peyton Manning and. We know he can still get it downfield, but he doesn't have the arm strength. He's not the guy that's going to just stand up there back in the pocket and heave it 50 to 60 yards and beat you downfield with the vertical passing game. It's going to be the quick slants. It's going to be the, it's going to be the screen passes and doing things kind of underneath. And Gary Kubiak is one of the best at kind of designing screens. It's, it's something he's always successful with kind of every stop that he's had along the way in the NFL. So if Denver's going to do it, I think they're going to have to really keep that – New England defense guessing and kind of keeping it on its toes. But I'm going to take New England here again just because of coaching. And I'll kind of turn the tables here, and I'll start it in the NFC. Um, I have, I've said since the beginning of the playoffs, I think Arizona is the team to beat. Even though, you know, Carolina came out, that, that first half against Seattle was just monstrous. They really showed they were, they were ready to get things done. Cam Newton has, has really looked good down the stretch. We're talking about the – uh, quarterbacks with the two highest QBRs uh, in, in the league, with Carson Palmer actually being number one overall. I don't think a lot of people know that, but um, mm-hmm. and the fact that he finally got that, that first playoff victory. But I think this is the, the big matchup for me, this is going to come down to Carolina is obviously a very physical defense, very imposing. But I don't think they're going to have the same type of success against Arizona. You look at how physical Larry Fitzgerald, uh, those top three receivers, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, Michael Floyd, John Brown, even though John Brown's not as big, he's kind of a physical guy. He's tough to jam at the line of scrimmage, especially with that speed if he gets a a step on you. And there you go, another small school guy there, third-round pick, Pittsburgh State, or, you know, the Gorillas. We love them. But, uh, you know, Michael Floyd's about as big as they come. Those are some physical receivers, and I think Carolina's going to have problems jamming them at the line of scrimmage and not being able – to impose that physical force in the secondary that we see them do so often to other teams. Uh, I think it's, this is going to come down to a, a close game. And in the fourth quarter, I think Arizona pulls away and they, they get this one on the road. And I don't think it matters right now who is actually going to win the AFC, whether it is Belichick, whether it is Kubiak. To me, the Cardinals are the best team that there is right now, and I think they're the team that is going to go all the way. So I'll throw it out to you guys for the NFC. What do you like as far as matchups here and uh, predictions? Uh, I kind of like uh, – I agree with you. Um, Arizona is – but the what, reason why I like them so much is Carolina's always had problems in the second half. Um, as, you know, kind of making the games closer than they should have. Uh, not just with Seattle, but we remember the Giants game. Um, and that, so and – I, and I know the big, the big thing with Arizona is – Bruce Arians is very aggressive, and he doesn't care as far as when. He will be aggressive the entire game, and he will keep attacking. So I think that fourth quarter, it, that, that starts coming into play. It's going to be a tough game at first, um, very very physical. Both defenses are going to be flying around. Um, but in that fourth quarter, there's going to be a few plays that are cooked up, and he's just going to start attacking them downfield. And in the end, Arizona is going to have – um, enough plays to come out on top. I think it's going to be a little more scoring in the second half, and I think the final score is going to be around you know, 31-24. Um, 
probably a little higher with those defenses, but both offenses always surprise us. I mean, Cam Newton had the number one receiver go down, and look what that offense has done. And uh, they always know how to run the ball decently well. So I think it's going to be Arizona 31 over uh, Carolina 24. We got two for Arizona. Do we make it a, a perfect sweep there, Jared, or you got a differing opinion on this? No, we don't. We don't. I, uh, I'm going to play off what Skyler said here and, and argue the opposite point. Um, I think when it comes down to it, Arizona is going to be very aggressive. Bruce Arians is going to be aggressive. Carson Palmer is going to be aggressive. But Carolina is the type of team that capitalizes on aggression. That's how they've survived all season. That's how they've been able to thrive. And I think Carolina knows how to play it safe. And when it comes down to it, the offenses, both offenses, are going to rely on the running game. And I think Carolina is going to be a little more forceful up there. You know, they've had that longevity at, at the running back position and at the offensive line, whereas Arizona is going with a, a rookie, David Johnson, probably, who, whose yards per carry um, aren't that great. He's not necessarily, you know, a pound, pounded-up-the-gut type runner. So in my mind, I think Carolina, they're going to do what they do best. They're going to capitalize on some of this aggressiveness. And their defense as per usual, is going to score some points for them. And I don't think Carolina uh, on offense is really going to turn the ball over that much. That's what's made Cam Newton so good this year. It's not, not his gaudy numbers. I mean, they, they were great. Um, but it's the fact that he's protecting the ball so much better than he ever has before. And I think that formula, when it comes to the playoffs, you know, who can, who can be effective, who can play the best defense, who can kind of pound the ball and wear the other team down, is going to win for Carolina. I think Arizona is going to find that aggression backfire a little bit. They, did, they didn't get to be 15-1 by accident. They're definitely a good team. Yeah. I think in the end I just can't get behind a quarterback and his child chosen. I don't know. Let, let's just get to the real issue here. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're speaking about the NFL draft, this is just a good thing to throw out there. And, and looking at those small school prospects, you touched upon David Johnson there and I touched upon John Brown. Two years in a row, those are the third-round picks. 2014 draft, third round, Arizona selects. John Brown, wide receiver, Pittsburgh State. People are going, Pittsburgh State? No, not in Pennsylvania. That's in Kansas, the Gorillas, which, again, I still think is one of the best mascots ever. If you ever see a Pittsburgh State game, the Gorilla just runs around in the stands like a maniac. I'm surprised he hasn't been suing for causing, you know, multiple children to have nightmares or have some kind of trauma. But it, it's amazing to see. But – that was their third-round pick in 2014. Last year, third round, David Johnson, running back out of northern Iowa, who began his, his career as a wide receiver. So there you go. Two third-round picks. Third-round picks, two years in a row. Pittsburgh State, northern Iowa. And you're talking about two guys that played major roles uh, in Arizona there. So another reason to love the draft. And it's not always about the top of the draft, fellas. or not always about the big schools. Because, again, we're talking about Pittsburgh State, northern Iowa here. But uh, I think this is a good time to probably end things. And uh, we're going to have a couple more questions out of the mailbag for next week. We're going to have that final list once the NFL comes out with that. And we're going to know who's actually going to be in the draft if anyone rescinds their name and goes back to school. Yeah. We're going to see how, how well we did on, on these uh, picks and, and get ready for the big game in a couple of weeks. I guess I could say the uh, SB word, but we don't want to pay any royalties to the NFL. They're rich enough. Um, any parting shots we want here? And first off, solid first show for you, Skylar. Um, any kind of parting thoughts for the uh, for your first show here? Or again, maybe something 
else to look for, whether it be on the NCAA side with the draft in the NFL? What is just the most exciting thing for you this weekend or what you're really looking forward to before our next show? Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to these four or these two uh, playoff games um, because I, three out of the four teams, and granted New England is, is, is good, but those three other, three other three teams, their defenses are very good. And I'm just excited to see defense dominate and see what happens, who come, comes out on top. That's what I'm looking forward to. But I appreciate it. I really like this. I, as always, love talking football, so it was, it was, this is really fun. Oh, he saved himself there at the very end, Jared. I was going to say because as solid as he was in this show, the, the real answer should have been, you know, working with Jared and DJ again because they are the <laughs> godmasters of football and they know everything there is to know. That That's yeah. the answer we were going for. But he kind of he, he kind of backdoored it there at the end. So we're, we're going to let him pass. I used to think I knew everything about football until I met you, DJ. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I just want this cold weather to end. I, my face, I can't feel my face anymore. I feel like uh, – that the weekend song, right? That's why. So, <laughs> we had some karaoke going there for a second. Good job, solid. Exactly. I'll make, I'll make that the song of the week today. Oh, there you go. And I did appreciate the the kind words there, but I will say I, I am probably one of the biggest football or sports nerds you'll ever meet. Again, I was just playing APA uh, for, for you know my baseball team. You know, I'm, I'm getting caught up in that and you know we've got 28 days till pitchers and catchers report not that i'm you know counting the days for that but uh, you're talking about a guy who still has his electronic football set i got when i was five years old i got the two teams that were in the 79 super bowl the rams uh they were they were in la at that time uh the la rams the pittsburgh steelers and i got like a little certificate and could pick two more teams and i'd actually selected the eagles and the colts so i had my four little games on the four little teams on the electronic football field and would have the rubber football that always get lost in the shag carpet. And I had to make my own and that's how much of a nerd I was anyway. Not that anyone really wanted to know that you probably learned more about DJ Boyer right there than you ever wanted to know, but there you go, people. If you're kind of a nerd like me, you're not alone. Anyway, have a great week, everyone. It was a solid show. And and again, um, we're going to take a lot more of your questions and have a lot more uh, mailbag uh, stuff for you next week. Go over the results for the AFC and NFC Championship games. And, again, go over that list for the NFL draft. And uh, look, look for mock 10.0. And, again, it's not a first, that's not a one-round mock. That's not a two-round mock. That's a seven-round mock, baby, with comp picks already kind of figured in there where we think those comp picks are going to fall. And the database right now contains 1,628, just a little more, just a little more than the 256 that will be drafted. And, of course, those free agents that will sign. So we've got you covered here at uh, DraftSite.com. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. She told me don't worry about it. She told me don't worry no more. We both know we can't go without it. She told me you'll never be alone. I can't feel my face when I'm with you. I love it, oh, I can feel my face when I